Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. It has been unofficial for about six weeks here on Fantasy Sports Daily, but today we can call it official. Welcome to March and welcome to fantasy baseball draft season alongside plenty of NHL DFS, NBA DFS, NFL offseason. I guess really it's just another month, isn't it, Ray? I mean, I, I, I love March. I love April. Uh, these are two great months, but uh, maybe I love them so much because everything is seemingly going on right now. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, I'm doing the show with Justin Fensterman, game time on Sirius XM Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 Eastern. And, I mean, it's – you. I marvel at what you do. I always have uh, because your ability to transition between these sports. Like I used to do three sports. <laughs> then I got rid of hockey because I focused. Now I'm trying to pick basketball back up. And then now we're talking about college this and pros that and league starting here. There is a lot going on. And uh, hopefully we're at least entertaining the folks talking about it. Uh, I, I promise, Ray, I will not pressure you with uh, learning MMA at any point. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, won't, I won't. You don't have to worry about that. I still want to get my claws into you. On the EPL, though, we're, we're going to turn you into a soccer guy at, at some point. That is the plan. Great to have you with us on this Friday, March 1st. And speaking of March, I actually want to start with this because it's brand new. It's available right now. Uh, this month, Ray, is, of course, maybe even more than, than fantasy baseball drafts or than uh, NFL combines and all that. This month, Ray, is March Madness. And the madness has come to Fantasy Guru. Um, at this very second, Ray, people can start getting ready for all the madness this month. They can. The March Madness uh, Draft Guide, I guess is what we're calling it, is available at FantasyGuru.com. Just released. Uh, I'll throw a little graphic up here on the screen. What the hell? Let's, let's get into it here right at the start. There it is, Kyle. Um, boom. Boom. Yeah, the, the, the Draft Guide includes access to Discord, which is just for this, right? We have a room just for, for March Madness. Uh, the tournament picks, the brackets, all that kind of stuff. Breakdowns of all the 68 teams that are involved in the tournament, um, members-only contests, exclusive live streams. So you get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You get it all. It's available right now at fantasyguru.com. You see the link there on the screen. Uh, you can also just go to the Join Now tab. I always get this wrong. Join Now tab on the top right side of the page uh, and uh, sign up for the NCAAB March Madness Guide for 2024. And, and I should know this is a little different than in years past. We're starting later than usual um, with March Madness. I, I want to say, Ray, like the St. Patrick's weekend, which is usually that first weekend of the tournament, is actually going to be conference tournament weekend. And the March Madness uh, is going deep into March. It doesn't even begin until like the 22nd or something. It's weird, uh, right? Like that. Yeah, it's very weird. It, it, I mean, that's three weeks from yesterday. I think it's the 20th is probably the day of the 21st right in there. Uh, with that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But that first weekend being in late March is quite different, uh, which means the uh, Final Four is coming up, uh, what is that, like April 8th, which is a very late time, just the way the calendar fell, uh, that things are a little different. But that has not stopped us from that draft guide. So uh, get it get it now. Those live streams, those brackets, the picks. We know how it is when those brackets come out. Um, millions of people who have not watched a college basketball game all season are suddenly caring about like St. Mary's College and, you know, UNC Greensboro or whomever the hell it may be. <laughs> right. And so uh, let us do the work for you. Um, our basketball crew, they will get you set as we get deeper into March. As for what we have today, 
No college hoops. A lot of baseball is what we're hitting you with today, um, including something we'll be checking in on uh, from time to time in the month of March. Uh, Ray Flowers, who you can find on X, at the Ray Flowers. How long you been at the Ray Flowers now, Ray? It's over a year, right? I've, yeah, I think it's been about two years. Yeah. the uh, Let's see. I think November 2009. Yeah, was when I started. Used to be baseball guys, but it's been at the Ray Flowers for about two years now. I think it's either two years and two months or one year and two months. I forget. Yeah, it, it took a good dozen years yeah. for those uh, guys over at X to approve of Ray Flowers and to think he was a real human being. But now he's got it. You can follow him at the Ray Flowers. And throughout the past, I don't know, four or five weeks, Ray's been uh, running some Twitter polls, uh, kind of getting a feel for this upcoming year of fantasy baseball. And like I said, over the next few weeks, uh, when we have the time, including today, we'll check in on some of those Twitter polls. So we'll talk about uh, dumping batting average, uh, maybe some guys who you think will disappoint. Um, and then Vinny Pasquintino is still quite popular uh, amongst Ray's community. So we'll get to that in just a bit. Also, we're going to talk head-to-head leagues. We've not done a lot of this. Uh, Ray has a write-up over at the Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide, which we're going to hit on in just a second. Uh, today, we will uh, discuss a few of those head-to-head league strategies. And uh, if you're getting into that for this season, how you can prepare. Marlins will be our team preview. Rookie outfielders are what we're looking at for 2024. Uh, we'll recap yesterday's effort by Paul Skeens, the hotshot rookie with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pretty good, I think it's fair to say. And some NFL news, uh, the Players Association wants to keep the tush push. Does anybody else, though, Ray, do you think fans like the tush push, or is everybody kind of aggravated by it? Well, if you're the Eagles, you love it. If you're everyone else, you kind of ask. I mean, we have that. It's a rugby play. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of, you know... Uh, to me, I you know I'm gonna sound old school and rawr, you know testosterone guy. That's not very manly, right? <laughs> it's like if you can't if your guys can't do it one on one, you don't need extra. Eh, I don't want and also personally, don't want some dude grabbing my butt. Okay, and, and maybe that's just me, but I used to tell even when I was a kid, you know, I was a pretty good player and I was kind of the center of the teams and you know guys. I said, hey man, you give me high five, slap me on the back, do not touch my bottom. Yeah. That is mine. Uh, the tush push is maybe a little different and it's much more popular, but Ray, we've had the QB sneak for decades, you know, mm-hmm. decades. And and I guess that would be what I would follow is how do you write up a rule That's, against yeah. the tush push? Is it, I guess in, in the logical one is nobody can push you from behind. Uh, that would be the logical rule. Uh, but you don't want to eliminate the QB sneak. Uh, you still want to have that, I think. But what's well, the difference between a tush push and a sneak? I guess it is the guy behind you pushing you forward. What's the difference when you're at it? It's you know the guy catches the ball at the 36 yard line, and here comes the entire team, and they run into him and knock him three yards forward. Do you like that play? Because I mean, that's in the old school football. Your teammate didn't push you the extra 10 feet yeah. and fall on top of you. That that to me is even worse. So we'll get you the latest on uh, where that stands. Also, we have a running back that is now joining the free agent pool. Um, It's a very loaded running back free agent pool. We've been talking about this off and on for the past few weeks. Um, Now we get another guy who did not have a good season, but he was actually a starter for his team going into the season. Now he doesn't have a team. How quickly things change in the NFL. So we'll get you all of that. What isn't changing, at least I don't think, Ray, we still got the uh, good deal going with the Fantasy uh, Guru Baseball Draft Guide, correct? We do. Absolutely. Yeah, we got the deals going there. The deal, as of now, oh, let me check. Let's verify that. We always say that. I know that the early bird <laughs> is going to change. It happens without... I want them to change it live on air someday yeah, right? so they can really uh, get upset. Regardless, you can use the promo code FSD20 
FSD20. That gets you a 20% discount from whatever the base price is. Uh, okay, so we're still at $49.99. You use the promo code. It's still $40. I was told that that changes next week, that the early bird pricing goes away. So then it'll go up to 60 bucks, and the discount will get you down to 48 or whatever the heck it is. So get in now. Uh, it's the cheapest it's going to be. That gets you all the rankings, all the articles. Uh, I actually have a podcast going up today, all, the, all that information, all the way through the season. It's not just right now. It's all the way through the season. Uh, go over to fantasyguru.com, that join now tab in the top right. Click on that. You can also click on the uh, homepage. There's a picture of the cruise boys cruising along, uh, kind of the cover uh, picture for our guide. You can click on that and get a little bit more information. But use that promo code FSD20 and get the full season baseball product at fantasyguru.com. Like that we get O'Neill and Ellie on the uh, draft guide. Nobody else is doing that, but Ray's beating everybody to the punch with those two guys for 2024. So check it out over the weekend. A uh, great thing to do. Uh, speaking of the weekend, Ray and I will be busy, busy, busy this weekend. Uh, tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday over on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, Ray, I, and uh, really a cast of thousands, will be a part of the uh, auction coverage for the League of Alternative Baseball Reality They've got a mixed league. They've got an AL only. They've got an NL only. That begins tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern. I think the AL only coming away this evening as uh, many, many experts uh, will be uh, getting together down in Florida. Uh, Sirius XM has been broadcasting that forever. Ray and I have been lucky to be a part of it for, uh, gosh, 15 or so years now. Uh, we'll be doing the auction coverage tonight. It's a five-hour coverage. And like I said, AL only. So if you are in league specific, uh, great listen coming up later tonight. Both Ray and I, I think Jeff Erickson, Jim Bowden, a few others, going to be a part of the coverage tonight. Again, into Saturday and into Sunday, the whole weekend over there, nothing but auction drafts. With that in the rearview mirror, Ray, let's get into uh, what we've got for today, including those Twitter polls. Like I said, from time to time, we'll check in on these throughout the month of March. Wanted to focus on uh, three of your recent uh, polls that have gone up. Uh, the first one dealing with five by five leagues and uh, the, the ongoing negotiations, if you will, Ray, every year of what we should keep, what we should get rid of. Right. Uh, batting average. This one really started to become a thing. Uh, gosh, I guess five to 10 years ago, mm -hmm. people started realizing oh, batting average kind of sucks. Let's do something different. And we have seen multiple leagues go to OBP. Uh, the Twitter polling though, Ray indicates that people, well, give up batting average when you pry it from their cold, dead hands, I guess. Yeah, and, it, and I'll say this, you know, point blank, play whatever league works for you, right? I used to be a stickler for this. Now it's like I just want to keep people playing. I think the attitude reflected in this poll, though, is part of the problem for fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball is not adapting. It's not. It's just we're stuck in 1996. And until we move on, we're not capturing a new audience. I think there's a lot of people in fantasy baseball that have been playing it for 25 years and they don't want to change. And again, if that's your thing, that's fine. But it's inarguable that batting average is a lesser number if we're trying to get to the heart of who an offensive player is. It's inarguable that it's a lesser number than on-base percentage, period. So if you're okay doing it wrong or doing it less right, keep using batting average. That's fine. I understand. We grew up with batting average. It was on the scoreboards. Our grandfathers taught it to us. I get all of that. But at the same time, on-base percentage is simply a better way to measure the effectiveness or lack of effectiveness of an offensive player. This is about 7,000 votes. Um, 56 to 44 is the breakdown. 56% say no, we should not replace it. 44 say yes. I will admit, Ray, um, I, either way is fine by me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I play in both leagues. If somebody said choose one, not the other, I'd probably still say batting average. 
<laughs> and I think the reason is you mentioned growing up. I did grow up with it. We all grew up with it. Right. Um, I, I don't hate the number. I don't dislike the number. I think it's very easy mm-hmm. for people to wrap their heads around. You mentioned, you know, adapting. And I get that for, for the hardcore player. I, I, I think a lot of people in your position, a lot of people in expert leagues, people who've written about this sport, yeah, they, they want to adapt because they know OBP is, is that way. Mm-hmm. But in terms of popularity, I think batting average is going to suit more players than on-base percentage does. So it, it's kind of the tug and pull between the people in the ivory tower, if you will, pardon my language, the ivory tower versus those who are in the ground, on the ground, I should say, in the thick of it, Ray. I, I think the general public is still a batting average world. And and I get it. It's not the best number. It isn't. It isn't a great number. Just like RBI is not a great number, but it's a number we've grown up with. So I am being a bit bullheaded with, with holding on to my batting average. Well, and I think that I'll, I'll spin it this way for those people that are on the fence or maybe you're, you agree with Kyle here. If you're in a points league, you're in an on-base percentage league. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. So all the people that love points leagues, you're playing in an on-base percentage. That's, in essence, how the point scoring works, right? And again, if you, I, I want people to play, okay? I used to be a stickler. It's got to be this way. The last five, six, seven years, I said, ah, you know, I've less than that. I, I've told the story many times. My home league went to on-base percentage in 1998, okay? So, I mean, I knew this 25 years ago was the way we were supposed to do it when I was in college, right? I so it's just it's a better way to do it. It doesn't have to be the way you do it. Uh, it does make it more difficult. Let's flash forward it to the end point. It makes it more difficult to analyze a player in terms of their fantasy value, because I don't know when that ground ball that takes you know 17 bounces is going to be a hit or an out. I don't know that. Mm-hmm. I don't know when a ball is going to be hit that you know some guy is going to make a great play on. I don't know when a ball is going to be hit that the guy, if he was two feet to the left instead of two feet to the right where he was standing, is going to get caught. I don't. I don't know that. You know, a 275 hitter can just as easily hit 290 as they can hit 260. It's just a fact. And that's a big gap. Oh, Ray, that's a big gap. If everyone you drafted hit 275, if all of them this year hit 260, your team's not very good in that category, right? So it, there's just more volatility to it as well, and that makes it a little bit more difficult to analyze. And to drive home your point, I'm in a points league, Ray, and a walk and a hit by pitch and a single, they're worth all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you get a hit and you're at second, a double, you get more points. You get two, triple, three, home run, four, and then you throw the RBIs, runs scored. So I think points league does solve a lot of these issues, um, and you get the best of both worlds there. Uh, it's almost like an OPS league when you add it all up together in those point leagues. Uh, Twitter slash X question number two, based off draft day cost, who is going to disappoint the most or be most likely to disappoint this year? Ellie De La Cruz, Tyler Glasnow, Vlad Guerrero, Tarek Skubal. This one, Ray, over 9,000 votes. So we have to say this is a pretty legitimate sample size at the very least. Um, and one guy kind of ran away with it. I'm a little surprised. Ellie De La Cruz is the one that people are maybe perhaps most worried about pulling off and re- re- returning their draft right. costs. Yeah, if someone earns $48 in fantasy value on this list, it's Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah. He's the only one. Um, I find it fascinating because for years, our industry, ADP, the way people draft, Ellie De La Cruz is the penultimate style of player people target. A youngster with power, a youngster with speed, a dynamic player. And I hear on SiriusXM, I see out on the web, oh, he, you know, he, where, all these concerns. Yeah, there were concerns last year. Where were you? Yeah. We talked about that. You and I talked about this. I said, look, this guy's approach, he could hit 200. Guess what? He hit 200 the last 40 games. Duh. 
Okay. But that still didn't change the fact that he was on pace to go 2560. Like mm-hmm. I, so I'm very confused by this because, you know, could Ellie De La Cruz hit 220? Yeah, he could. He could. We saw it last year. He could. He also has 2025 home run power right now. He's got 40 still potential right now. And it's fat, two position eligibility, right? He is one of the most exciting players in baseball to watch and root for. So he's got a lot of things going for him. I, I don't know. Tyler Glass now yeah. is, is less of a – that to me is bananas, Kyle. I totally agree with you on this one, Ray. Um, anytime this sort of question is asked, you should always vote whoever the pitcher is. <laughs> really? I mean, that because that, that is the running back position of fantasy baseball. So you got two pitchers on here, um, Glasnow and Scooble. I'd put both of those as bigger risk than a Vlad Guerrero or an L.A. De La Cruz. And I think Glasnow is probably the bigger risk just because of how the team will use him and what his career has shown us. Mm-hmm. With Scooble, Ray, I, I'm not all that hot to trot on Tarek Scooble at all. Um, I'm not going to get him anywhere because people are, are really high on Tarek Scooble. So I, I'm a little wary of that draft day cost, but I think one feather he's got in his cap is if he stays on the field and he's good for 28 to 32 starts, the Tigers will let him pitch. He will keep throwing. Again, with Glasnow, we talked about it a lot this week. We did a player profile on him, team preview on the Dodgers. I just don't see the Dodgers really turning him loose. So he could make all those starts. He could be out there. He could be, quote unquote, healthy. Dodgers will still find ways to skip starts to limit his innings. Uh, They will probably still find a way to throw him on the IL at some point when they need to get another pitcher, some work. And that's just how they work. And that's how Glasnow has worked. So to me, he's got to be um, the one that would come out here. Let's go to Twitter poll number three, Ray. Uh, This one also taking a look at four specific players. Four guys, which one are you most willing to take a shot on this season? Uh, the list is Colt Keith, Junior Caminero, Young Hu Lee, and Vinny Pasquatino and Ray with uh, just about 3,500 votes. Vinny P is the choice by a fairly significant margin here. Yeah, he's at 46%. Caminero's 26%. Lee is 17%. Colt Keith is 11%. This is interesting because this, this came out right after Colt Keith signed his contract. So I thought there'd be a little bit more excitement. Uh, He still came in last place here. Lee, there's some people that are in on Lee because of the price point. There's other people like, look, I haven't seen him and I'm not a huge fan of the Giants. Uh, Caminero is someone that's got a lot of heat. Uh, He hit the 430 foot home run yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was on on social media and on Twitter, like the world was on fire. (laughs) And um, the guy that's the number one easily with that 46% is Pascantino, which I'm very surprised by. Yeah. Uh, and you and I talked about him previously. And, you know, there's a very legitimate possibility that he produces a Nathaniel Lowe type season. You know, he hits 275, it's 20 home runs, drives in 80 runs, something solid like that. But I'm surprised what, you know, to me, that are you really taking a shot on him? You know what I mean? When I say that to me, I think more of give me Caminero or Jung Hu Lee, you know, because I feel like Pascantino's kind of been there. We kind of yeah. know what he is. And I don't think the price point, you know, to speak to that, what is his, what is his ADP right now, Kyle? I'll tell you this, in an OBP league where he shines, mm-hmm. I got him in the 11th round of a 15-teamer. His ADP right. in a standard 5x5 five five for the month since February 1st is 169. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, like the other guys on the list are, you know, Lee is 245. Uh, Caminero is 250. Keith is not even, he's 285. So all the other guys are much less expensive as well. 
So people not only are choosing Vinny P to take a shot on, they're willing to pay, you know, 75 to 100 picks earlier in the draft to get him on the roster. I mentioned in that uh, tout wars, it's a slow draft, 50 rounds. It's eight hours between picks. We've been doing this for over a week. I got Vinny Pascantino in the 11th rounds, an OBP league, by the way. All three of these other guys, Ray, are still available in the 17th round. Comaniero, Cole, uh, Keith, and Lee. Um, I am looking for an outfielder. I'm considering Lee, but there is the uncertainty. Because, you know, with OBP, Ray, the hope is 340, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe better. I've seen maybe. 350, you know, yeah. good number, not a great yeah, number. Yeah, but I kind of wonder how will the rest of the game play. You know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Keith, I've got really no interest in. I, I I don't think he's ready. Comaniero is a guy I'm considering here in the 17th round. But the issue there, Ray, is I could see Tampa surprising us and having him up like April 20th. I could also see Tampa just keeping him down until September. It's like it's a, there seems to be a wide gulf of what the Rays might do with him, I think. Well, and I whether this is fair or not, and it's anecdotal because I'm not looking at data to support it, but doesn't it seem like everyone on the Rays gets hurt too? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that chance that someone gets hurt. And like you're saying, he falls into 500 plate appearances, even if that wasn't their plan. And the, the know, other thing, Rays, that, that's an organization we think like how cheap they are, and the, you know, but they don't they don't usually mess around with um starting the clock it, it feels like with a lot of rookie pitchers they brought them up to fill in and to, you know work out of the bullpen hitters have been brought up it's not like they just kept guys down you know wander franco came up very early this goes back to longoria he yeah. came up early he wasn't really held down so they're, they're willing to do that ray which kind of has me thinking Caminero is going to be up earlier even if he doesn't i don't think he makes the team or the be one of those things they give him three weeks at triple a and then mm-hmm bring him up uh, to, to give a jolt going into May or so. Very easily could do that. And again, I, I, I'm I'm surprised by the answers here, which I, I want to guess, I guess, uh, say pat on the back to the, the Twitter folks that voted, because I think Pascantino, take a shot on. Pascantino is the safest, I think, of the four options. And he also was the one they want to take a shot on. So it's kind of an odd combination because, one, you know, Caminero, as an example, if he doesn't get drafted in your league, and he goes down and he hits 341 with an 1100 OPS in the minors, and they call him up, People are spending 50% of their fab budget. Yeah. Like they're blowing their fab budget on this guy when he gets called up. So I was surprised by the results a little bit. But again, you know, kudos to the folks for going with the guy that seems the safest. So there you go. Some Twitter polling here on a Friday. I still say Twitter. I guess X polling. That's fine. Say Twitter. Um, X is the OBP of uh, social media. <laughs> you know, the cool kids are already past there calling it X. Uh, we'll, we'll check in on a few of those polls. Are you still posting any or is that kind of something you did for the month of February? Yeah, still posting them. Okay. Uh, what am, I'm even running one right now and I forgot. It's I posted it last night. Let me look this up as we're going here. Uh, here it is. Which are you most interested in? playing this season in baseball dfs seasonal or wagering so head over to twitter x at the ray flowers and put your vote in there most interested this season dfs seasonal or wagering okay there we go check it out at the ray flowers ray flowers is also of course the mastermind behind the fantasy guru draft guide each and every day here on the show we spotlight a different article yesterday by the way if you missed the program uh, we talked about Ray's breakout pitcher for 2024. That article is still available to Fantasy Guru subscribers, and you can become one of those subscribers by taking advantage of that FSD20 promo code. Get you the seasonal coverage, gets you the draft package, but also the seasonal coverage for $40. And it reveals that pitcher who Ray has uh, pointed out as his breakout. Today, Ray, head to head leagues. I'm guessing you've probably ran a Twitter poll at some point about head to head leagues, too. I. 
I'm not in these. I don't enjoy them. I don't have fun with them. I've obviously been in them in mm -hmm. years past, but Ray, I don't know what it is. They have never clicked for me. Do they click for your audience? I do have a poll with Roto versus head to head that we can talk about in the future. Um, and that poll was pretty much 50, 50 head to head is the bee's knees. Like, you know, and, and I think it comes down to the fact Jeff Mans talks about this a lot on his show, Elite Sports 3 to 6, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM. People draft in March, and then you don't have a result until late September, October in, in a roto league, in a season-long league. And people don't like that. Mm -hmm. People stop paying attention. People transition to – they start getting into the, the, you know, the spirit of the holidays. Maybe they're doing fantasy football. Head-to-head -head is like football, right? And it's weekly, yep. weekly, weekly, weekly. Uh, to me, and I've said this and I've used this term previously, head-to-head -to, -head to me is a bastardization of the game. The, you, the game is not, if you're going to do that, just play DFS. That's my opinion, okay? Uh, but we, we're starting to cover head-to-head -head more because it's what people want to do. Yeah. Um, it becomes, and, and I fight this with people, it becomes whoever works the hardest. Because there's a lot of leagues where the waiver wires the open. Thing. <laughs> yeah, the waiver wires open all the time in some of these leagues. So you know, you and some leagues don't have a limit to how many moves you can make each week. And it's like you invalidate the draft by May. You two thirds of your team isn't even who you drafted. It becomes all about which pitchers are making two starts this week. Mm -hmm. It becomes all about which pitchers qualify at RP and SP, so I can take advantage. So there, it's all gamesmanship to me versus analysis of players. So I. I'm just not into it, Kyle, but the folks love it. Yeah, it's 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 a little more random than you'd like to see. And and that's how sports is. You know, a lot of it, we like to think that it's a very fair schedule. It's 162 games. It's uh, 17 games here. You know, everybody's playing different schedules and playing different teams at different times with a different roster that they're facing. So even then, you know, the head-to-head -head aspect, I've always looked at it and said, you know, you're kind of throwing your hands in the air. And it's like, well, did I get lucky that week? Did I get an extra push in this category? Did my ninth inning guy get any save opportunities? You know, and that can really defeat you that week if, if the randomness of the ninth inning doesn't go in your direction. Um, if you have the, you know, you've got eight starters, but they're all making one start and your opponent has five starters and they're making two starts apiece. You know, th those kind of random factors can can throw things off a bit, I think, in the head to head. I get why it's popular. You're right, Ray. People like to, you know, especially with groups of friends, you know, it's fun mm -hmm. to kind of go up against your buddy. And for those yep. who are serious about it, follow it day in, day out. Um, so that's, you know, that's fine. It's it's something that people definitely play. And like you said, uh, people seem to be a little bit more into head to head than they are in other setups. In terms of strategies, things are also a little bit different. And that's what your article kind of takes a look at, Ray is the fact that if you are in a head-to-head -head league versus, say, a points league or a typical five-by-five, five, things are different, and there you bullet point them. It's it's really paying even more attention to the guys that you're drafting and see if they fit in a head-to-head -head setup. That That's very crucial, especially if you're in a head-to-head -head league where you, you set your lineup on Monday, and that's it. Now, some of these head-to-head -head leagues have adjusted, and you set on Monday, and maybe you set on Thursday, you know, or maybe you set on Friday morning. That is a big plus, I think, for head-to-head -head leagues. That is one thing I would recommend for many head-to-head -head leagues to go to, is having two roster locks, if you will, that week. But, Ray, you, you run through it and just hit the ones that stand out to you, kind of uh, the way to avoid and the way to embrace certain players in head-to-head -head setups. Yeah, and just uh, to give a, a shout-out, to to Patio Joe. Uh, he's done a bunch of work in this area uh, for the preseason content, we, both of us, uh, we actually had him on, people can go to the elite plus network, uh, on the website over on YouTube, <coughs> excuse me, 
youtube.com slash at elite plus network and find the discussion we had. He came on one day. We spent 20 minutes talking about head to head. Uh, I'll even say this. I'll back up even before we get to that, Kyle, and say that for me, I hear all the time from people that the season is too long and it's too much work. Okay, that's that's the general complaint people have with fantasy baseball. Most of the people I talk to that play head-to-head want open waiver wires and daily lineup changes. Yeah, and I'm like, love the work. Yeah, you couldn't get more work than that. But okay, so know, know what your setup is. Because your setup, whether there's a limitation on you know innings you can throw each week or moves you can make each week, that, that plays a large part in, in, in all of this discussion. Um, I think that uh, at the top there, it's easy players to avoid. Platoon guys that aren't playing every day, the rookies, the Caminaros of the world that, you know, you need to have flexibility in a head-to-head league because you're playing your matchup that week and just taking a zero for six weeks with a rookie, really tough to do. Uh, Guys that are in and out of the lineup a lot, the Mike Trouts of the world, like, you know, guy's going to miss 30 games. How valuable is that? Because then you're, you know, you're mixing and matching every single day. If you can only set your lineup twice a week or once a week, you can't, these guys, you can't, you can't go with these guys. I can play 130 games with Mike Trout and have it work. If he only plays one game this week, I'm losing my matchup. So I think there's some obvious ways to avoid guys. Uh, and then I think there's some obvious ways to target guys. Consistency, guys that are in the lineup and that are, that are fairly consistent. Now, again, that's really impossible because, like you said, a 30-save guy, a 30-home run guy hits zero this week, gets two next week, it's zero the following week, it's one the week after that, then it's three this week, it's all over the place. But I think really you need to have health, and consistency as much as you can. And then power, and I, I put this, power is kind of preferred because as you've said, when you're talking the points league, you know, you hit a home run, you get an RBI mm-hmm. for sure. You get a run scored for sure. You can get multiple RBIs, right? There's more impact there in the counting category. So those are some general rules. I think they're pretty obvious, but I think they're also worth stating. Would you, and I'm just kind of thinking out loud here with head-to-head leagues, I usually, and, and again, I don't play many head-to-heads. I've been five-by-five points league or whatever. My, my MO has been I'm not going to invest a whole lot in relievers. I'm, I'm never up there at the top. But I'm wondering, Ray, in head-to-head, are you more willing to invest in, in upper-end relievers? And, and to draw this out as to why, obviously that category of saves, and a, a, one save can win you the week. And that save categories can often be the winner of your week. You know, I won that category, so that helped me pull away. Additionally, <clears throat> we talk about the impact of relievers over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 60 innings out of the 1,300, you know, that I'm getting from my team. But, Ray, with relievers in a weekly setup, if they get two or three innings, that is suddenly three innings out of, say, 30. You know, it's 10%, if you will, of, of maybe – that that because you're shrinking the timeline down, the impact of a reliever mm-hmm. has a lot more. I mean, the strikeouts, the whip matters more, the ERA matters more. It can also sink you. But but Ray, I get to this and thinking out loud with head-to-head leagues, maybe I would try to get two of the top 12 relievers. Because those guys can have a, a more significant impact, I think, in a head-to-head weekly setup. I think the and I it's funny I kind of view it the opposite and this okay. is why I view it the opposite. Um, maybe it's because we're just think we're starting from a different base point. Um, are your waiver wires open or not? If your waivers run on Monday and your team is your team for the week, I think your point holds more water. If the waiver wire is open, 
And you know, I'm sitting there on Friday realizing I need two saves against this other guy I'm playing who's only got one reliever and he just lost him with an injury. I can go oh. to the wave wire and pick up you know middle relievers to get me that one save or two saves. I have the opportunity to work around my draft completely based upon using the waiver wire. I also think it matters greatly. And everyone I talk in this to me is so foreign because I haven't done a league like this in 15 years. Legit haven't done a league like this in 15 years. Everyone is in leagues that has SP and RP spots. Mm -hmm. They all do it. So if your league forces you to use RPs, then your point about I got to draft higher end guys makes more sense. If your league has pitching spots, which is the way it should be, so I can manage my matchup and my team however I hell I want, then it lessens the value of that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't have to use any RPs this week. I can just pile on strikeouts and go for victories and that kind of thing. So I think the setup has a great determining factor on whether you want to target relievers or whether you don't. But at the end of the day, 30 saves a season is like 1.2 a week. It's nothing. So it's really tough to say, even if you have a great guy, you can have a great guy that goes 10 days without a save happens all the time. So that to me, it's just a tough position to invest in. I think in most formats. More from the fantasy guru draft guide uh, regarding head to head leagues and other leagues. As you look through that draft guide, depending on what type of league you're in, uh, there will be guys you upgrade downgrade. You can see right there on head to head downgrade rookies. And that leads us right to our uh, topic today uh, with outfielders. Rookie outfielders. We've been profiling the position the entire week here on Fantasy Sports Daily. And Ray, now we get to the prospects. And um, I I don't want to say this year is any different than other years. I think every year we have good outfield prospects. But I think this year we've got a good four or five guys that are pretty exciting. And additionally, Ray, I think all of them are going to be up relatively soon. Some of these guys are even going to break camp. Uh, you see some of the names. You see a couple of uh, photos there. I, I want to start with Jackson Churio of of Milwaukee, who is very, very young, Ray, mm-hmm. uh, but has already signed a big league contract, mm-hmm. which when that was signed, the expectation was, Ray, well, he's going to be the opening day outfielder, center fielder for the Brewers. I guess that's still the case. I mean, the Brewers have not come out and said that, Ray. But all signs indicate this guy will be their opening day center fielder at a very, what is he, 20? I mean, it's an extremely young guy making a pretty significant jump to the big leagues. Yeah, he turns 20 in like 11 days. He's not even 20. I mean, think about that. Oh, that's, think about that. He's not, he's 19 years old. He's just got 82 million bucks. And that, that, you know, that's, you know, I think back, I'm a pretty level headed guy. Um, I was the one that kept my friends out of trouble growing up, right? They always wanted to do stupid things. I was there to say, don't do, if someone gave me $82 million at 19, what the hell would I have done? Eh, I probably wouldn't have been as straight-laced as I was. So let's <laughs> hope he's got a good head on his shoulders because, wow, right? Uh, on terms of his skill set, it's so fantasy-friendly, it's mouth-watering, right? Yeah. He's got power. He's got speed. He can hit 20 home runs. He might be stealing 30-plus bases. Like, this guy is a dynamic talent. So, you know, the projection models are, are really interesting. You know, if you give them 500 plate appearances, most of the models are saying like 15, 20, something like that, which seems a little light given his skill set. But then I when you figure again, he'll be 20 years old when the season starts, that would be a phenomenal season for him. Well, and, and Ray, we were talking about Jordan Walker earlier in the week, and he came up as a 20-year-old and was fine, and yet people were still let down. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan Walker had like a 115 OPS plus, which is a 20-year-old Ray good yeah it's good it's pretty good but i think a trio would be in the same boat ray if he ends the season with a 115 ops plus people will be let down now what he has that walker doesn't have is the ability to steal bases 
So that may lift him. It, you know, there's hype, there's excitement. All these guys we're going to talk about. Is Churio somebody you'd take as an outfield three? Outfielder four? I mean, I guess people are hoping we got Julio Rodriguez on our hands, you know? <laughs> and I don't know if Churio has that level of power, but maybe he will in a place like Milwaukee, which plays small. Uh, but could you... Is, is that too risky for you taking Churio as like your third outfielder well, in a 12 team league? I mean, you have to take, and we talk about this a lot, you have to take a risk at some point in the draft, right? Um, I, we've currently got him as an outfielder four, which I think is a better spot than a three. You could take him as your three and then quickly take another guy and be in the same, you know, you can get guy 39 and guy 42, right? And feel better about that. So I do think that building in some redundancy with Churio would be an ideal scenario in the outfield. You look at his ADP since the start of February at the NFBC, it's 128. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like you're saying, he's he he's at that point in the outfield where people start getting a little nervous that they're going to see a drop-off. Um, and you look at the outfielders that, were that get taken right around him. Anthony Santander, totally different player, but Anthony Santander, oddly enough, another Oriole, uh, Cedric Mullins, uh, Wyatt Langford, another youngster who's on this list. So we're in that yeah. zone where we've got – Basically, a power-hitting outfielder, a speedy veteran outfielder, and then a couple of youngsters that we can hope on. Let's go to Texas, because they actually give a couple of guys on this list. And uh, for many of us, we got to see Evan Carter mm -hmm. star in October. Um, it might have caused you to forget that he only got called up in September. <laughs> he was a late-year call-up, and, and he still, I think, has rookie eligibility, so he can mm -hmm. still win the AL Rookie of the Year. But, Ray, he's probably behind the guy we see here, Wyatt Langford, uh, who was a high-end first-round draft pick last year, came out of the collegiate ranks. And there is some feeling, Ray, that perhaps he could make this team. I don't think it's very likely, though. Um, it really comes down, if he makes this team, A, he's got a hit in spring mm -hmm. camp. He's got a force the issue. And B, does, does Texas, are they okay with having like a 22-year-old DH because I, I guess you could DH Garcia. Maybe you shift things around. But, Ray, if you have Carter, Garcia, and I would suspect Leotis Tavares is still your outfielder, mm -hmm. it's kind of a question of finding a spot for Langford. And usually teams are not all that fired up about saying BRDH at the age of 22, 23. And he's, I don't know Langford's defensive capabilities overall. I would assume they're, they're solid, strong mm -hmm. maybe. I don't know. Ray kind of gave the 50-50. But, Ray, it's just a matter of will the Rangers embrace the idea of DHing him as kind of their, their regular spot for Wyatt Langford. Yeah, and I'm in a dynasty league where we keep 40 players, and I'm in a keeper league where we keep five. Uh, in the keeper league, interestingly enough, Kyle, I've got both Carter and Wyatt Langford on my team. Mm. Um, so there are two of the guys I'm building around. Uh, Langford's defense is, you know, he's about average on the 2080 yeah. scale, 45-50. So he's solid enough. He can play outfield. Uh, but it's his offense that – you know, I read you read scouting reports and it's you hear terms like loud and explosive, right? He does everything. Uh, and you know, he played 44 games last year after being drafted, right? Single A, double A, triple A. He went through the whole thing. Played 44 games, had 10 home runs, 12 RBI, uh, 12 steals, and hit like 350. Yeah. I mean, he killed it at multiple levels, too. Yeah. He, he was like it. flying through levels, yeah. killed it. And you know, the, he. Both Carter and Langford at full projection, right, are 2020 players. Uh, and, and, and in the case of Langford, he might be a 3020 guy. So they are super exciting from the real world perspective. They're dynamic from a fantasy perspective. Playing time, Carter's locked in. Like you said, Langford, he could make the team. 
It's he's very limited in terms of his professional experience, though. He feels more like we're going to send him down for six weeks and then kind of see if there's an injury and opportunity. But both these guys, as soon as this season, can be, let's say, 15, 15 guys this year. They could even go – both could go 2020 as rookies. Like, they do have mm-hmm. the talent to do that, and that's why they're so exciting. And then, Ray, you talk about the two guys, you know, hanging out there with uh, Texas. Um, you go to Washington and the Nationals, and we've got two guys. Uh, James Woods, who came over in the Soto trade. Yep. So he's had a prospect tag on him for a while. And then Dylan Cruz, who just like Langford. Uh, in fact, both those guys played in the SEC. There was a big back and forth. Langford, Cruz, Cruz, Langford, which side are you on? Uh, Dylan Cruz is with Washington. Um, now, this is a team, unlike Texas, that is in a rebuild. But, Ray, they're, they're starting to come a little bit out of that rebuild. You know, they're expecting to be more competitive. They, they are still a team, Ray, with a lot of avenues for guys like Woods and Cruz to, to find a way on this roster. Like right now, Joey Gallo is probably starting for this team. You know, is that going to last past July? I wouldn't think so. Jesse Winker might oh, come be starting. On, Kyle, it's possible. Winker burned me last year. Yeah, they had a dreadful year in, in Milwaukee. That that didn't go well. Victor Robles, Ray. I mean, how many more chances does that guy have? Their outfield is really unsettled, which makes Woods and Cruz, to me, much more easy to, to dream on and to think that, yeah, there will be 80 games here for these guys. I, You know, Langford probably gets there. Carter's going to get there. Chorio will get there. Don't forget about these two in Washington. Even if they don't break camp with the Nationals, <laughs> I look at the guys ahead of them, and I'm not convinced those guys are staying in those spots all season. Yeah, if you look at this group of four outfielders that we're talking about, or let's throw Churio in there, all five of these guys that we're discussing, the two Nationals, the two Rangers, and Churio, according to MLB Pipeline, they're top 100 prospects in all of baseball. James Wood is the worst at 14. <laughs> like, and then you look at this, Churio's two, Carter's five, Langford's six, Cruz is seven. Now, yeah. all baseball, all positions, they're all top 15 players, and they're all dynamic. And then, you know, James Wood is making the rounds now because people are seeing the home run. He's hitting 450 foot home runs in spring and everything. And, you know, physically, he's the most impressive guy because he's like 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, he weighs like 240 pounds. And you say to yourself, oh, yeah, well, oh, no, no, no. It's not all. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a 30 20 guy, according to, you know, scouts, right? He's, he's very athletic. He can move. He plays defense well. He's a, he's a young player. He's, he's inexperienced ish. You know what I mean? There's, there's some developmental time that's needed there. But his skills are loud. And all of these guys, Dylan Cruz, you know, coming right out of college, just like his teammate uh, from LSU that we'll talk about later. Um, you know, there are people that give Dylan Cruz on that 2080 scale a hit tool of 70 or 75, which is that that happens like once every five years. Yeah. Like people, if there's a can't miss hitting prospect, it's Cruz. It's not to say that he's going to go 30 30 or bat 350, but he's going to hit, right? And everyone believes that at this point. I think all five of these guys, right? And there's still a couple of others like Pete Crow Armstrong of the Cubs, uh, Kowser with the Orioles, you know, and we'll see how things work out in the spring for those guys. But these five, the ones you just ran through, the top 15 guys um, overall, I think they all deserve to be drafted. Now, I don't want them all on the same team. You can't do that. <laughs> do that. But there's a point for all of these guys, Ray. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe a 10-team league, I'm not. You know, but a 12-team league, Ray, a typical 12-team 29 round draft. I I think all of these guys have to be drafted in, in those setups. It depends how you draft. It depends what your goals are. Like, do you take Seth Brown or Jock Peterson, or do you take one of these guys? You take right? one of these guys. Well, again, <laughs> you know, again, 
And I, I think all of us are inclined to do that. The problem is if they don't open with the big leagues, right? Mm-hmm. They're down in the minors, and then that pitcher blows his arm out, and then your second baseman tweaks an ankle, and it's like you're looking, and it's zero, zero. Like it's we got four weeks of zero, and you know how this goes. You then drop them, and then in week five they get called up. That's that's how that goes. But uh, talent wise, they destroy the names, the veteran names I mentioned. It's just those guys have roles. So I think the fit of your team and how it's been built goes a long way to determining that. And and I mentioned the name Julio Rodriguez. Um, just want to remind everybody. Now he did break camp with the Seattle Mariners back in 2022. But as a uh, reminder to everybody, Ray, and I say this for anybody who drafts Trurio or let's say Langford makes the the Rangers team and he's up there, it's a reminder that in April of his first year. Julio Rodriguez hit 206 with zero home runs and six RBIs, and he played pretty well every game. Uh, eh, 20 of like 25 games. The next month he took off and he became Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> the next month, six homers, 17 ribbies, he hit 310. Then seven home runs in June. Then five home runs, 16 ribbies, 18 ribbies, hitting 280, hitting 270. So like, even if you draft these guys, that's the other part of this, Ray, is – you know, people are very apt to make quick moves in April. They're paying attention. They want to get results immediately. They're, they're seeing in the standings, oh, my God, I had a bad first three, four weeks of the season. I got to blow things up. I got to switch things around. If you draft these guys, understand they are high-end talents. That does not mean that they will immediately showcase that talent and be hitting 320 as soon as they land in a big league uh, lineup. So you got to be patient with them. If you invest in these guys, all these guys, any of these guys you draft, Ray, I would say this, even if they're getting zeros on your bench, they're guys you have to hold on to for like three months. And I know that's difficult for people to do. Like now they can say, oh, yeah, I'll sure. do that. I'll I'll, I'll sit on uh, Wyatt Langford and wait for the Rangers to call him up. Well, as you noted, Ray, if you get to May 20th and we still don't have Wyatt Langford called up, a lot of people are going to dump him. And smart owners in that league will immediately go and pick him up. Uh, because as soon as the moment happens, he's a starting outfielder in fantasy baseball. So it, that's that's the other part of this, Ray. It's fun to draft these guys, but you have to hold on to these guys even through the zeros that you may get early in the season. Yeah, and that's why it's so hard. The rookie game, and you know, I've got the history of the first the rookies uh, in, over at FantasyGuru.com. Use that promo code FSD20. It's in the rookie section. Go to the top, you know, MLB seasonal. You find the rookie section. It's really hard because even there have been plenty of occasions over the last decade where the player doesn't get called up until, you know, May 25th, right? And then from then on, they're a star, right? But if you drafted them and then dropped them early May, you're pissed off. Even if you drafted them and you sat on them, what does your team look like as you took Mm -hmm. a zero for seven weeks? with all the injuries and all the other things that, you know, it depends on all kinds of form, you know, your league type, your league size, all these kind of things. But you, you, you have to be, you have to have one of two mindsets. One, I'm taking, you know, Dylan Cruz in the 28th round of my draft. And I don't care if he hits or not. I'm holding them, hoping he's up on April 15th. If I got to drop him on April 29th, I'm cool with that. That's one mindset. The other mindset is what's Kyle talking about. I'm drafting him and I'm just holding him. Mm-hmm. And you have to be just comfortable with what it is because none of us know. And that's the problem with rookies. None of us know when that guy's going to be on the field. And then we don't know how he's going to perform at the start of his career. We don't No one knows that. Right. So it's a tough game to play. And you got to have some cones. Got to have some stones if you're going to do the Kyle position, which is I'm just holding and waiting because I know it's going to happen. But if that's your plan, you're going to have to stick to it because it should be 
part of your draft and team construction model. It shouldn't be just something you do on the fly. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, especially with these five big names in the outfield. Um, if you find yourself struggling and you're like, oh, I got to find some help. I got to find, I need three or four pieces. I need some pitching help. I need some home run help, whatever it may be. If you have one of these guys and they get called up, that is a perfect time to, to, to trade them three for ones. 100%. You know what? People are always willing to buy. And I, again, it's very different in dynasty leagues and all that, but, but in a typical redraft leagues, the day these guys are called up or if their first game's a good one, if you can flip them for proven pieces, like three pieces, and you can get a reliever, you can get a third starter, you can get a fourth outfielder. Those are really attractive things. So that's the other bonus with holding on to those guys. I will say in closing for me, Ray, those five especially, I think they're all up before the All-Star break. They're all they're all taking major league at bats before the All-Star break. If that's the case, we're going to have an exciting second half of the season, <laughs> Kyle, because those are some talented guys. Be. Yeah, it will be the case. Uh, next week, starting pitchers, very important position. Ray and I will devote a good portion of next week's uh, FSDs to all things on the hump, and then we'll follow that up with relievers a couple of weeks from now. Uh, let's get to our next team preview. The Miami Marlins are on the docket. It's a pretty interesting team. There, there are probably no superstars on this team, but there are many good fantasy assets. Um, again, superstars aren't there, but solid guys, you know, dozen guys will be drafted from this team. They get buried in the NL East. You know, they're not the Braves. They don't have the money of the Mets. You know, they're not the Phillies with the competitive uh, nature on that side, but it is a, a solid team, Ray. Um, it's a team where we start with a player profile and we start with the one thing they have had in recent years, which is pitching. Uh, most of it has been in the starting pitching variety. Here's one on the reliever variety talking Tanner Scott of the fish. Yeah, drop and drive. Look at that, Kyle. The old Tom Seaver. I mean, down he low. Scraping his knee on everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess Mitch Williams is the, is the one probably people remember yeah. he fell over after he threw every pitch. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Tanner Scott, you know, he brings it. He throws 97, 98 consistently. As you can see there, the numbers are pretty damn good. And you know, he's not talked about amongst the elite relievers in baseball because, you know, he's he's bounced around a little bit. Orioles weren't very good when he was there. Now he's with the Marlins. He's only saved 32 games the last two years. Last year was only 12. But if you look at his performance last year, I mean, his walk rate was half of his norm. And I think that's a massive key for him. Before, previous to last year, he was a guy that was, you know, 13%, 14% walk rate, which compared to the league average, about 8% is terrible. What happened last year is he locked in, he threw strikes, the walk rate dropped to 8%, so he was even a little bit better than league average. And guess what? His strong strikeout rate of 27% went to 34%. Because mm -hmm. now he was controlling at bats. Instead of falling behind 1-0, 2-0, he was controlling at bats. And it made all the difference in the world, Kyle. So it's not as simple as, you know, it's not as simple as this, but it's as simple as this. If this dude gets ahead 0-1 and he throws strikes, with his ability to, to generate strikeouts, with his ability with the upper end velocity, and his ability to get ground balls. Because his ground ball rate, you know, his ground ball to fly ball ratio for his career is almost two. It's a great number. He has the makings of being someone yeah. that can save 35 games this year. He really does. Yeah, and he's relatively cheap. Um, I mean, a lot of people are expecting him to close, but I don't think anybody's really jumping for Tanner Scott. But he is one of those guys. Again, I have him every year. I mentioned Alex Lang, I think, last week. Tanner Scott's one of those guys too, Ray. And it may blow up, but the cost is, is not all that high. It's it's wild with the Marlins. I feel like, Ray, every year for the past five years, they're they're trying out a new closer. Yeah. Every single year. And 
they really have never found a guy. There's all, you know, I mean, they're throwing Anthony Bender out there for some points. And I mean, all these different guys and they're yep. trading guys. And I guess they're now giving up on AJ Puck out of the bullpen. At mm -hmm. least that's their plan. They want to try him in the rotation. I look at this bullpen, Ray. I'm not seeing anything that appears to steal from Tanner Scott. Like I think he's got a little bit of a rope. Uh, the walks, they're not going to, they're not going to suffer through, but if he gets off to a good start, a solid April, I think that probably will secure the job for him. Um, is, is he, I wouldn't take him as an RB one, but I, or RP one, I do like him a lot as an RP two, who's not going to cost you. You don't have to probably draft this guy in the first 15 to 17 rounds. You can get him much later than that. I think he's an elite as uh, RP two. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think that he has the opportunity again, to, he could save 30, 35 games this year. So he is a really good target. The control could go completely. Yeah. And, and you can draw a rough parallel. It's not I, Craig Kimbrell. Like there's similarities. There's differences of righty, lefty, ground balls, all kind of stuff. But that kind of profile, it's like when he's on, you ain't hitting him. When he's off, who the hell knows? But yeah, I think that Tanner Scott is an ideal target based on draft cost and based upon expectations. Okay, let's go to four other questions with this team, the Miami Marlins. And Ray, I just mentioned his name. So let's start there. Question number one, AJ Puck. A, will he land in the rotation? And B, does it matter? We, we've been waiting on this guy. What are we up? Six years now? The Oakland days. Now, now we've got the Miami days. I get it. There's always intrigue, but I, I feel Ray like he is always fool's gold. It's it's just there has not been just a run of what he was supposed to be for a variety of reasons. And I always find it wild that we can be this, I don't want to say late into a career, but this deep into a career. We still don't know what the dude is. Like he belongs in Boston with this kind of background, I feel like. Sixth pick in the country back in 2016. He's a lefty uh, who's 6'7", 250. He was compared to Randy Johnson. That's <laughs> dumb because no one, you know, people do this all the time in sport. He's an ex-Barry Sanders. No, he's, he's not. a big left-hander. Yeah, Johnson. a big left-hander, Randy Johnson, even though he outweighed him. Uh, but A.J. Puck was supposed to be, if he failed, like a third starter at the big leagues. Like everyone thought he was a one or two. He's a front of the rotation potential ace. And to your point, bleh. And the real issue he's dealt with of late is he can't stay on the field. Mm -hmm. And I find this fascinating because they finally committed to him being in the bullpen. In the last two years, he's thrown 60 games on average. I mean, that's, you know, so he's been, he's had some times where he hasn't been healthy, but he's, now we're going to put him back in the rotation. <laughs> you know, it's like, it feels like Kyle, doesn't it feel like he finally found his footing and now we're going to change it? Yeah. I'm, he could easily make the rotation because Edward Cabrera, they, there's all kinds of rumors they might trade him. Trevor Rogers, where is he at physically? They might have a need in the rotation, but it makes me nervous uh, with A.J. Puck. I, I'm i getting James Paxson vibes, yeah. right? Like, he'll be good when he pitches, but how many starts is that going to yeah, be? This is like a May injury just going to happen with A.J. Puck. And and then that first one will happen. It'll take longer to heal than we thought. Then. All of a sudden, it's July, and the Marlins have moved on. They're going to bring him back in the bullpen, you know, to get his workload up. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just – so I, I'm not really interested in the A.J. Puck part. Uh, elsewhere in this rotation, Uri Perez, Ray, is of interest. Of course. A lot of innings as a rookie last season. He was very young. Uh, stuff plays. Um, it looks like he's a future SP2, maybe SP1. What's the next step for him? As you look at last year and, you know, the overall impressive nature of it, what has he got to work on, I guess, in year number two? Yeah, he's really old. He'll be 21 next month. He's really <laughs> old compared to Jackson Churio. Uh, I think that the, the ceiling to me is an ace. 
And, okay. and we saw that at times last year. His stuff is fantastic. Um, he's working on a new – I'm trying to remember what pitch he was throwing. He's working on some new pitch that I saw. That it was a curveball or something. Um, he is someone that I anticipated having a lot of success last year, but I was wrong on the workload piece. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised they let him throw as many innings as they did last year as a 20-year-old. Uh, they did obviously you know, sit him down to the minors and didn't use him much, but still, you know, I was surprised. I think that – that the the likelihood is he's around 125-ish innings this year. You know, maybe I'm wrong on that. I was again, I was wrong last year on that. I think that's kind of 125, 130. Now, if he throws 150, it doesn't sound like a big gap, but that's five, six extra starts. It's a huge difference. So I think a lot of his overall fantasy value will be determined on workload. It's not about stuff, it's not about what we're going to get on a per inning basis. It's the workload piece that will determine where we're drafting him is going to pay off or not. Yeah, they've had a lot of young pitching um, for the most part. It hasn't really, you know, stuck. Not that it's bad or guys have failed, but guys really haven't become elite. Perez is the latest one that should be elite, that everybody thinks can be the, the top of the rotation arm. As of now, Lazardo's probably that guy, but Ray was talking about trade rumors. Lazardo's mentioned in trade rumors. So we'll just have to see what the Marlins do. But Perez, I think, is going to be a very attractive piece for a lot of people, probably drafted as an SP2. Um, I think is where he's going to land. Let's go to the hitting side. Question three, Ray. Uh, Jazz Chisholm, um, you know, speaking of injuries, but speaking of intrigue, he is maybe still the most intriguing guy on this team. Not that he's the best, but there is still a lot of intrigue with Jazz Chisholm. Uh, What is, okay, A, 145 to 150 games is mandatory, but if he gives us that, if we can give him some help, where do his numbers end up? What kind of player are we talking about here? He's a fun guy he's excitement you know he's a guy you want to root for uh i have dealing talking to someone this morning on twitter uh, at the ray flowers about keeping jazz Chisholm and what's his value and all that the last 157 games he has played which is the last two years unfortunately the last 157 games he's played he's gone 30 30 yeah. i mean it's it's happened and he's got holes he's a 250 hitter that's i think who he is so you know he's not He's not a five-category guy, but he could easily be a four-category guy. And if two of those numbers are 30-30, right? And that's the intrigue. The problem is, again, staying on the field. And when you have year after year after year, which is what we've got to this point, which has Chisholm being unable to play the 145 games you mentioned, you know, we end up with the 1917 season, which is great, but he's on the field. So it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, we have to pick up guys. It, it's, it's rarely been he's out for four months. He's kind of in and out of the lineup. He misses three weeks. He's back. He misses three weeks. So I think that he is someone that you draft with your expectations being low, realizing it's a ceiling piece. But you, you do have to you do have to pay. It's not like he's cheap on draft day. If you go over to, you know. He's early sixth right now. In 65th the 12th overall. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's wild yeah. is if you look at his number, Ray, right next to him is O'Neill Cruz. And both these guys are like hugely attractive for what Absolutely. they could be and what they could mm-hmm. give you in four categories. That yep. That is a tough head-to-head Jazz Chisholm or O'Neill Cruz. And I, I think Cruz, you know, if we had a year last season where he played some games, I'd go his direction. But just the uncertainty of not playing an entire year. Um, those two guys, I don't want to say league winners, but those two guys could really lift the bottom line if they were to click and you got them in the sixth round. Absolutely. I kind of lean toward O'Neill Cruz because I think the shortstop position, but to be fair, the the, the outfield is a place that people are a little nervous this year because it starts to fall off once you get to like outfield of 35, 40 range. People start getting a little nervous out there. Fourth thing with the Marlins and with these team by team previews, we don't talk about these guys very often, but I do with Miami. Um, Guys who in effect are bench utility guys 
Uh, last year, Ray, with the Marlins, John Birdie was attracted to people. You know, he gets stolen bases. Didn't really work out. This year, there are two guys, Ray, Vidal Brujan and Nick Gordon, you know, who don't have an everyday job. It's not like they're penciled into right field or second base for the entire season. But do you draft these guys at the end of a draft? Is there that? Is there that much work? Is there that much interest? Um, again, we rarely draft bench dudes, but I think in Miami, both these guys might at least offer a glimmer of hope if you take them in the 28th or 29th round. I'll give the Marlins full credit. That's a pretty intriguing group of three guys, right? You got guys that they could play. The, all of them can play infield, the outfield. Uh, all of them have speed. Like mm -hmm. Bruon at one point in time was a, I don't know if elite prospect, but pretty damn close to an elite prospect with the Rays. Nick Gordon has shown a lot of nice things in his time between injuries himself. Um, I don't think they're draftable. I don't because, you know, if you're looking at him and you're projecting out 350 plate appearances, it's like if you're in a 15-team league and you're drafting 30 rounds, maybe they're your last guy, right? If you're going 450 deep or something like that. If you're in league-only setups, they're very attractive because yeah. of the positional flexibility and their ability on the base pass. But I would say no in general to most people. But that's not to say that when Chad Jisholm gets hurt, or if Luis, uh, excuse me, or if Tim Anderson, you know, sucks eggs again, yeah. these guys don't end up with a lot bigger roles than we anticipate. Okay, uh, let's get to our prospects. And and Ray, there aren't many of them. Miami's another team, pretty thin. I threw the name Max Mayer on here, and Not he true. actually threw yesterday in, mm -hmm. in uh, spring training. And I throw him on there, Ray, because uh, he was, again, another prospect pitcher, uh, but he's been injured. He's missed a lot of time. He's trying to come back this year. I don't think he's going to be really an early season asset with this team, but he could be a guy come midseason. I, I don't see anybody worth drafting and stashing, Max Meyer included, but I, I think they're, he's he's certainly a guy to keep an eye on in, in AAA or wherever mm -hmm. he lands to kind of see if there is development and if we can expect maybe a call-up in July. Yeah, I mean, there was a, before his injury, there was the firm belief that he was going to be part of this rotation for you know at least six years until he became a free agent, right? So they, they would love to have him. That would help out a lot and might ease the concerns with A.J. Puck, even if they start Puck. Meyer might be the guy that has to fill that spot when he gets hurt. Take a chance on who? I'm going to take a chance, and he was a guy that I highlighted last year. Let's do it again. Not a lot of hype. Braxton Garrett. Um, okay. Not an elite pitcher, but a guy that showed very well last season. I think it's more of the same this year. I'll stay in the rotation. Edward Cabrera. Um, it's <laughs> it's maddening, right? He's got like all the, the tool set, but doesn't have the toolbox, if you will, um, or know how to use it. But it's still a huge arm, and there's still pitches that profile well. So take a chance on mm -hmm kind of a classic guy my pass on ray is going to be Luisa rise just because mm. i i think he is so one-dimensional it's a great dimension <laughs> you know it's a it's a super batting average but i i just said we've talked about him i just don't know if there's anything else and you really do he can kind of once you have him in season you're fine with him but on draft day ray i think building around him can you, you start to think too much about it or or maybe you you concern yourself too much with oh I got to get power 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 I don't need any average I got Luis Rice but I got to get power and I think you can kind of throw off some you, you, you kind of focus on the wrong things maybe with your draft if you have a rise on that squad and you have to kind of uh, overcome his deficiencies uh, at the plate I think it matters too at least it should a little bit it, where he qualifies he's second base eligible everywhere he only played 12 games at first base not that you want to use him at first base but that flexibility is nice so if your league is 10 games Maybe you bump them up a little bit. If it's 15 or 20, maybe you pull back a bit. Who is your uh, pass on for the Marlins? Yeah. 
a guy that I unfortunately had to draft in labor. Uh, oh no, in Tat War, no labor, labor. Uh, Josh Bell. Like there was a point in time where I'm like, give me the, give me that guy that's going to go 270, 2080. Yeah, it's like he's going to go 270, 2080. Who cares? You know, so that's again, I was. He's not the worst bench guy. No, he's not. But it's like he's he's not hitting 300. He's not hitting 30 home runs. Like he's not doing anything other than what you're drafting him to do. So look at the Miami Marlins. Uh, next week, we continue with our team by tween previews. I think Milwaukee is uh, going to be on the docket for next Monday. So stick around for that. Final few moments for us quickly on the baseball side. Uh, CJ Crone has got a minor league deal with Boston. Uh, yesterday, we previewed the uh, Orioles-Pirates matchup with all those number one overall picks on the field. Uh, it, was, it was pretty entertaining, Ray. Henry Davis got a three-run homer. Um, and Paul Skeens for the Pirates looked the part. Ten pitches, uh, one, two, three, went through uh, um, Holiday, went through Rauschman. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in it. Was it Hurstad? Maybe he was the third guy. So it was uh, youngster against youngster that whole time. And of the ten pitches, four of the ten for Paul Skeens were over 100 miles an hour. And Phil Backard and I were talking, and I am because we were watching it. Uh, and Phil's like, uh, when does his arm blow up? <laughs> it's like he's i will say this and i you know, i saw a lot of mark Pryor in that did you <laughs> i did now i didn't i was looking straight on i wasn't analyzing if he had the inverted w and all that but just i got the set the feel of my and you know but yeah throwing 100 miles an hour is great and we all get excited but throw 97 back that up a little bit let's save that arm it was only 10 pitches one inning they took yeah. him out after that so you, you call it a day when it kind of goes according to plan. And then on the NFL side, uh, got another free agent running back to add to the fold. Minnesota has released Alexander Madison. Uh, remember, it was what, five months ago he was a starting running back in Minnesota. So that is how quickly that position can change. And then as Ray and I talked about, uh, the tush push, it's a, a big subject going into the offseason. Uh, the NFLPA, the Players Association, Ray, came out in favor of the tush push. They want to keep it. So uh, they don't have a huge say in this. It's a little different than baseball. With baseball, you got to get things approved and you know use it on a you know a temporary or trial basis. But in the NFL, Ray, it, it's really the rules committee who has all the power here. Um, so I, I think they meet in the upcoming weeks, and it'll be up to the coaches. I I don't know. I guess the coaches. I don't. It probably depends if you're a defensive coach or an offensive coach whether you like it or not. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough to just get rid of it. I I, I think it's such a part of the game now it's it's almost as important as a screen pass hell there might be more tush pushes than screen passes anymore in the nfl i always look at it twofold one the the eagles have mastered it everyone else hasn't and two if it was that kind of a play why weren't they doing it 25 years ago like i think it's and i'm well, you, you always used to think, not want to send your quarterback into two twenty five hundred pounds of humanity. I wouldn't. Yeah, just don't I, care. That's what I got that guy in the backfield for. That I'm paying three million dollars. I don't care if he blows his knee up because I'm going to replace him next week. Yeah, I I wouldn't do it. But um, it's really fascinating that it's become such a thing. You know, because it's again, I think it's a bad football play. But you know, if it's fourth and eighteen inches, and you know, you can't you can't get twenty inches. I guess you know, in my opinion, you can't get twenty inches handing the ball off to your running back. Yeah, you don't deserve to get a first down. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another play that's come up in in the last few decades, Ray, where it's like, wow, that's that's really um, unique, and it's to the point where nobody can stop it, and we have to think about changing the rules. I I don't know if that play exists. This is the most boring of all plays. Like it's it's really kind of boring, Ray. That's another thing yeah. the NFL will probably look at. It's not exciting. They want you to throw. 
They want you to run, blocking, all that stuff, a typical snap. Well, this is anything but typical to know that on every fourth and one, that's all that's happening. Like you, you can call it with 98% certainty. And part of the problem is I think with 98% certainty where they're marking the ball is not where it should be. Mm-hmm. And that's another that, you know, when you see this, there have 12 guys on top of each other. You have four <laughs> referees. No one, no one knows. They have no idea. They show replays. You can't tell all these. You can't tell on a replay. So they're talking about finally, I saw this on uh, pro football talk the other day. They're finally talking about adding something you know, yeah. computerized to uh, measure. It should not be difficult at all. It can, put a chip in the damn ball. I got one of my cell phones. You don't even have to do a chip, Ray. I, you know, people think, oh, it's a, I mean, the chip is, you know, it could be the size of your fingertips, yeah. smaller. And it's not going to throw, but there are so many ways to do it. It's it's crazy that they have it. kind of a cutting edge, multi-billion dollar sport. Yeah. And, and this hasn't been taken care of. This can tell Verizon when I'm in the toilet. Like, come on, man. So, yeah, I don't I don't understand it, but they need if they're going to allow the play to continue. And I think they will. They need to have some way of determining where the ball is, because having these referees try to decide, I'm telling you, they don't know. Maybe maybe it's a jobs thing, right? They don't want these uh, chain gangs losing their job on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, maybe like that's it. I mean, again. 2024, we're hauling out chains. Uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty so, bad. Old, so old fashioned to be doing it that way. Um, okay, we are done for the Friday and done for the week here on uh, Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, back, of course, of course, uh, next Monday. Again, Ray and I will be handling those uh, labor drafts all weekend long, or labor auctions, I should clarify. Catch them on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, we will have thoughts on all those auctions next week. Uh, check in on the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll start our discussion of all things starting pitchers. And who knows what else we got shaken. Probably coming out of the NFL Combine, all that good stuff uh, into next Monday. Well, Ray, have a fabulous weekend. Any big plans or just a typical Ray Flowers spring weekend of baseball drafts? Yeah, last weekend went to the beach two days. I don't know what the plan is this week. Tonight I'm on labor. Tomorrow I'm on labor. Sunday I'm on labor. So there's going to be a lot of baseball. So we'll have to work something around it. So no big plans at this point. Kyle. It is a labor of love. It is. Okay. There you go. No doubt. Um, okay, everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.